is from 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. That's 1 John 2, 12 to 14. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Good morning, church. Okay, what I'm going to do first off is I would like to introduce to you this person right here. Okay, this person is Afshin Khaderzadeh. He's from Iran. And I would like you to guess what he is most famous for in the world. He's not, he's not, a, he's not an NFL quarterback. No, no. This is just for a show so you can see how high he is, how tall he is. Afshin is known in the world for being the shortest person alive. He has a Guinness Book of World Records on, with his name on it, with that title. Afshin, like I said earlier, is from a remote town in Iran. He's 21 years old. And he is 2 feet, 1.68 inches tall. Like this tall, right? Like this. And he weighs 15 pounds. Now, when you look at Afshin, you know that... Normal 21-year-olds shouldn't look like this. And we understand that he has a medical condition that prevents him from being, uh, you know, from growing to normal size like me and like you. And we understand as well, looking at him, that it was not his choice to not grow. It was not his choice to, uh, to stay small or short like he is today and uh, forego many of the things that normal 21-year-old men in his village enjoy. We know this because we understand how physical growth works. Physical growth is pretty much linear. It's predictable. We understand that spiritual that infants become, um, become toddlers. Toddlers become young children. Young children become adolescents and then teenagers and then adults and then so on. We understand that. And if somebody is not growing physically as they should... Like, for instance, Afshin, we can see it. It's evident. That's physical growth. But it's different with spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is not linear. It is not something that happens automatically. It is not something that happens by accident. It is something, however, that happens intentionally. We have to be willing to grow spiritually. Because... Take, for example, a 35-year-old. A 35-year-old can be some, somebody that acts like a 12-year-old because they haven't really grown. Okay? But you're not going to know that until you spend time with them, in relationship with them, and then it become apparent. But initially, it will not be apparent. So, I just want to say that God has originally intended for all of us, for His people... To grow and not stay like a, like a pint-sized Christian. And we know this because of many verses such as Romans 8.29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed 
to the image of his son. God's vision for all of us, his end state for all of us, is for us to be like Jesus. In fact, this is the goal of our discipleship, to be Christ-like. The reason why we are followers of Jesus, the reason why we follow Jesus, is so that we can become like him, so we get to do what he did. This is the whole point. Now, you're probably thinking, well, well, how does that work? So, I'll give you a scenario. Say, for example, you're lost. Okay, maybe you're in a, in a forest somewhere or you're in, a, you're in, a, or in the streets. You're driving and you don't know where you're going. You're lost. Okay, have you guys experienced that before? I have. I, I always. Okay. What are the two most important things that you need? Two most important pieces of information that you need for you to be able to find your own way. Think about it. First, you need to know where you're going. You need to know if you're going this way or that way or this way or that way. Okay? But even if you have a map, and even if you know where you're going, if you don't have the second piece of the puzzle, you won't be able to go. And that second, to go anywhere, that second piece is, you need to know where you are. Do you guys agree? Even if you have a map, you know that you need to go here, and you don't know where you are. You can't triangulate your location you are not going to know whether or not you need to go straight, right, left, or go back. See here, with our spiritual growth, God has not left us feeling for things. He has given us a vision. He says, I want you to become like Jesus. That is my work that I need to complete in you. And for us to be able to allow God to complete that work, in conforming us to the image of his son, we need to know where we are. So this morning, I would like to encourage you with that question. Where are you in your spiritual growth in Christ? When we understand that, then we are going to become more intentional about allowing God to conform us to become like his son. And so this morning, that's what we are going to do. We're going to talk about the stages of spiritual growth. Our scripture reading today that Jensen read is in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. And in that particular passage, we see John writing to the church. And he addresses them three ways. Okay? And we are, we are sure, even scholars agree, that John is not talking about the Sunday school class or the men's class. He's talking about the three groups of individuals or in, of, of individuals in the church in accordance to their growth stage. He refers to them as children, young men, and, 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 and uh, fathers. So for our purposes this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the four stages of spiritual growth. We're going to divide the spiritual childhood phase into two. Spiritual infancy and spiritual childhood. And then we're going to go on to spiritual adulthood, young men, young women, and then fathers, mothers, spiritual parenting. And as we go through this progression of our growth in Christ, I just want to encourage all of us to really humble ourselves and look intently into where we are 
in that growth stage so that we can know what we need to change so that God can do his work in us. Because, you know, God doesn't force us to do anything. He gives us this free will. That's the reason why many people are not in Christ yet. It's because they have the choice. God has given them that choice. And so for us this morning, I pray that we will choose to allow God to speak to our hearts in our hearts today so that we can know where we need to move. That we are not going to stay in one spot and go, I'm happy here. Because God is not concerned about that. God does not want that for our lives. He wants us to keep on growing to become like Jesus. So the first stage of spiritual growth that we're going to look at is the stage of spiritual infancy. Remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3. He told Nicodemus, no one will enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. Do you guys remember that? And then he qualifies that even further two verses later in 1 John 3, 5 by saying, no one will see the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. As careful students of scripture, we can see that the, the, the Bible writers equated that to the waters of baptism. And we see that as well in the writings of the early church. They understood that as we see in Galatians 3.27, that as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And at that point that when we put on Christ, we become regenerated. We become born again. That's what Jesus was talking about to Nicodemus. And at that point, we are spiritual babies, spiritual infants. Now, what are spiritual infants like? Okay, this is what they're like. First, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1, Paul tells us, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. First, spiritual infants are worldly. People are worldly because they, they, they're not spiritual, as, as Paul is saying here. They don't live in the Spirit. They still have a world a worldly view of the, of the things around them. When it comes to politics, science, social stuff, culture, cultural stuff, they think about it in worldly terms, not biblical terms, not godly terms. They are still worldly. They're still concerned about their own selves. They're still selfish. They don't care about, they're not able to care for others or think about others because it's not even, they're not even able to care for themselves. And because of that, their worldliness translates into quarreling, like the, the church in Corinth that Paul is addressing here. They quarrel. They, ha, they are jealous of each other. They're not able to forgive each other. And their worldliness stems from the fact that they are, that they are vulnerable and easily swayed. Okay? Uh, we see that in Ephesians 4.14. When Paul talks about Jesus' plan for the church to become mature, to become like Jesus, and to the point that we will no longer be infants. Why? Because infants are tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Spiritual infants are easily swayed 
by the teaching or the culture or the, the, the goings-on of the day. They take it like it's gospel. And the reason is because they do not know right from wrong. And we see that clearly in Hebrews 5, 13 to 14. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Spiritual infants are not able to distinguish properly good from evil. Because why? Because they have not been able to apply the righteousness that we read in Scripture. They are concerned about being right, but they are not concerned about righteousness. And the idea is they need milk. They need the pure milk of the Word because that is all they can handle. They need knowledge. They don't have knowledge yet. Knowledge is very important. Okay? And we see that in the first stages of our growth. We need we need to make sure that spiritual infants have the fundamental knowledge of their faith to be able to grow from there. And that is why the most important thing for spiritual infants to do is found in 1 Peter 2 verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. See that word crave? That is intentional. That's not something that you go, eh, I don't know. Maybe if they catch me, yeah, they can tell me. When you crave something, you go to it. You seek after it. It's like treasure that you really want to find. And you know what? In our congregation, there are so many opportunities for us to learn the pure spiritual milk of the word. You guys are here today. And I know in September, we're going to have our Bible classes back, back on again. Crave those uh, opportunities to go to these classes and spend time outside of Sunday mornings with other Christians to talk about how the Word of God can be applied in our lives every single day. And I just want to put a plug in as well uh, for the men. Uh, is it September 22 to 24? Right? Yeah, I'm looking at Miles because he's one of the organizers and Amir as well. Okay? If you guys are available August 22, 23, and 24... There is a uh, uh, we have Mountain Man to, uh, 2023 and it's going to be in Pinawa. So uh, come out. We're going to talk about how we are going to uh, um, put on godly masculinity in our lives as men. That is craving pure spiritual work, uh, spiritual milk right there. Opportunity there. Now before we go on to the next stage, spiritual childhood, I just wanted to affirm. Everybody, that if you find yourself in this particular stage of growth as a spiritual infant, don't think of yourself as any less than people who are more mature. In a family, parents don't look, look down on their kids and go, well, you're nothing. We don't do that. That is just where you are. That's fine. What's not fine is if you want to stay there. That is not fine. Okay? Crave spiritual milk, and then you will grow up in your salvation, as we see it in this verse. And then we, we, we will move on to the next stage. And that next stage is a spiritual child. 
A spiritual child is connected to their family. A spiritual child knows their brothers and sisters in Christ. And a spiritual child is aware of who their father is, who their family is. A spiritual child is aware uh, of some, uh, of, 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 of the, he, he, they have a working knowledge and understanding of scripture. They have a, they, they, they're starting to form a biblical worldview of the world, of a spiritual worldview of the world. But guess what? A spiritual child is still not mature. A spiritual child is still immature. They still need to grow up into adulthood and parenthood. Okay? So, remember in 1 Corinthians, the context there? Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and they are addressing their childlike tendencies. Because in the church of Corinth, back in the day, Paul writes to them and said, and, and tells them about their child, childlike tendencies to, uh, you know, to think like a child when it comes to their work in the church. The church and the people in, people in Corinth, they didn't want to do the things that are beneath them. They didn't want to do the things that are not cool in the church. What they wanted to do is they wanted to do the prestigious jobs in the church. And look down on people who do the things that are not very good. And so the Apostle Paul, knowing this, tells them this. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, he says, Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. When it comes to sinning, be innocent as children, as, as babies. But in your thinking, be adults. See, this is a dangerous part of growing up in our spiritual faith is being in this phase because one of the things that really best describes a spiritual a spiritual child is this word right here sophomore have you guys heard this word sophomore you've heard of this right where have you heard it in university right they're like the second years, sophomore. So you have the freshman, you have the sophomores. Do you guys know that this is composed of two Greek words? That those two Greek words are these, sophos plus moros. Sophos is, a, is, is the root word that, where we get Sophia from. The word Sophia, the name Sophia, wisdom. Sophos is wise. Moros, do you guys know what that word is? We get the English word moron from there. Fool. Sophomores are wise fools. Spiritual children are wise fools. Why? Because they have knowledge, but they do not know how to use them. They're like the church in Corinth. They know that they need to serve. They know that God calls them to give. They give, they serve, but they do it. With wrong motives. They go to church because, oh well, if I don't go to church, God's going to punish me. If I don't serve, then I'm not going to have the reputation and the prestige that I need to have with my brothers and sisters in Christ. If they don't see me praying here, oh man, if they see me praying here, see, uh, yeah, my, my level is just going to, I'm going to level up in the church. Sophomores, that's how they think. 
They're wise fools. They know scripture, right? They might know, they might know, for example, that the Bible talks about homosexuality and that in scripture, God paints a sinful picture of homosexuality. Spiritual children can show you verses where it says, well, it's a sin to be, to practice homosexuality. But spiritual children do not know how to interact with members of the LGBTQ community. They don't know how to love them for their struggles and for what they're going through. They do not know how to, uh, how to, how to support them and help them to learn more about Jesus and what Jesus says about their, about what they're going through. They don't have the patience. All they have is, well, I just want to be right. I know that's wrong and I'm right. So I don't have any dealings with that. That is what spiritual children are like. Now, can you imagine if any congregation in any city or town is comprised of Christians who are spiritual children? Do you think God will be able to use them in his kingdom? How effective do you think they will be in growing their community for Christ? Pretty ineffective. Spiritual children need to be careful when it comes to knowledge. Because as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1, knowledge puffs up. So, and again, Let's not, let's, let, let's not get this wrong. Knowledge is very important. But if we just d- dwell in knowledge, there's a risk that it will puff us up. That we will just want to be right every time. We will just assert our being right with people. Instead of righteousness. Instead of knowledge that is coupled with love that edifies. Do you guys remember when Jesus was faced with uh, the woman who was caught in adultery? Do you guys remember that? How did Jesus deal with that? Jesus dealt with that in a mature way, not just not not like a spiritual child. There is this woman who was brought to him by the the leaders of the of of, of the religious uh, government at the time. And, and they told Jesus, this person was caught red-handed, sleeping with somebody that is not her, her husband. A spiritual child will be all over that. Because what is right to do about this situation? What's the truth? We know in Leviticus chapter 20 that a man and a woman caught in adultery must be put to death. We understand that, right? But Jesus said, okay, whoever among you here does not have any sin, okay, let him be the first person to start killing this, this woman. Jesus dealt with the situation with grace and truth. You notice how, 
how he put grace before truth. Did you guys see that? Because that is what spiritual adults do. But spiritual children, oh yeah, oh yeah. No grace, no love, just knowledge. And that is what we need to work up to, is this maturity in adulthood. And that's the next one that we're going to talk about as, in a, spiritual, as a spiritual adult. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question, especially those who are parents here. Okay? You know, I'm a, uh, Linda and I have young kids, you guys know. Our oldest is 10. I don't think they're here, so I can talk about them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For 10 years now, every single day, okay? Let me know if you resonate with this. For 10 years now, every single day, I've heard crying every single day. And I'm wondering, when's the first day that I will not hear any of them cry? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah? For those parents who have teenagers or older, do you guys remember that point where, wow, there's no crying today? Do you guys remember that? There's no, nobody cried today. It's awesome. Right? How do we know when our children are starting to mature into adulthood? Do you guys have indicators? I don't know, because I have a 10-year-old, right? Do you have indicators? Like, are the indicators like, I don't know, like they eat, they, they make their own food? They don't go, Mama, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. Make me food. They just go and make their own food. Maybe that's an indicator of adulthood. Yeah? Maybe they work, they have initiative, they look around and they go, oh, look, I can clean that. And then they clean it. They don't wait for you to tell them to clean it. Maybe. But spiritual adults, okay, are a different sort of level. We want to be here. We want to be spiritual adults. We want to be mature like spiritual adults. Because this is what spiritual adults do. Romans 12, 10 to 13. This is just... A picture of what spiritual adults are like. Okay? Spiritual adults are devoted to one another in love. They're not here because they have to be here. They are here because they want to be here. They are devoted to each other. I am devoted to you. I want to be here because I want to be here for you. Because I love you. That's spiritual adulthood. And because, because they do that because they are selfless. Because they are not selfish. Babies and children, they are selfish. They think about what, what, what do I get? If I come here, what do I get? But spiritual adults, when they come here, how can I serve you? They don't, I, they don't think of themselves as better than anyone else because if they think that they're better than anyone else, then they will not serve other people. They will have other people serve them instead. What do you have for me? You don't have anything for me, then I don't like you. That's what spiritual adults do. They don't drive away after a worship service and they go, oh, I didn't like that today. That was junk today. They did not fulfill my need Today, that's not what spiritual adults do. Okay? Now, 
spiritual adults are able to do that because they, 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 they have zeal that allows them to serve others. It's this, there's, this, there's this zeal in their hearts to serve. This is what spiritual adults are about. They're about serving. They're about looking at what they can do for the church. When they, when they, when they step inside the, the, the church building or any, 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 uh, church activity that they, they go to, they don't look around and go, oh, the carpet doesn't look good. The wall, they don't look at that. They go, they go like, what? How can I serve these people around me? How can I make these people's experience today better because I'm here? They look around and they, they get excited because, I've never seen these new people in the church today. After worship, I'm going to go and talk to them and make them feel welcome. That's what spiritual adults do. They don't just come here and then leave. Because spiritual adults, they realize that their love for God has to translate into their love for others. Spiritual children, spiritual uh, infants, they don't think like that. They think about what they're going to get from things. Not spiritual adults. Spiritual adults are joyful in hope. They have this exuding joy in their lives. You know what? Um, I've met so many mature Christians out there that you wouldn't even know that, they're, that, that they have cancer, that they're dying in like two months. It's because they have this joy in hope. They don't care if they live or they die because, because if they live, as like Paul said, to live is Christ. And if they die, it's gain. Because they don't have to think about waking up in the morning. They don't have to go, think about going to the bathroom. They don't have to think about pain and being sick. They have joy and hope. And because they have joy and hope, when bad things happen, they have, they have patience and affliction. And the whole reason... It's because they have a healthy prayer life. They know that they are strong, not because they are strong themselves. It's because every day they're on their knees and they see and everybody sees the product of their prayer life. That all this is through God. And finally, spiritual adults, they use what they have to serve other people. They share with the Lord's people who are in need. Infants and children, they have this tendency to do this with their things. Mine. Do you guys know that? You know, my kids have like millions of toys at home. And most of them are just all over the place, right? And then new kids come in. New kids come in and visit us. And they see that there's a toy there. And remember, my kids have not touched that for like five years, right? The kid goes there, our guest, and all of a sudden, our, my kids lose it. That's my toy! But you haven't touched that in five years. Yeah, but that's my toy. Leave it there. It has to stay there. Spiritual adults, though, they give. Because they realize that that's not theirs to keep. They are just stewards of what God has entrusted to them. They're not owners. They're stewards. And they use their homes to serve others. 
Isn't that an amazing picture of what God, where God wants to lead us? This is it. But there's this verse. We're almost done here. There's this verse, Hebrews 5.14. Spiritual adults are never done. They never coast. They never go, oh, I am, I'm retiring from this whole Christianity, from this whole Christianity thing. That's not a thing in spiritual adulthood. Look at what the Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews 5.14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Pay attention to that phrase, constant practice. They're not concerned, spiritual adults, with just being right and just, just filling their heads with Bible study knowledge. What they're concerned about is using what they know in their everyday lives. How can I, how can this, how can this change me? What did I learn today that I can incorporate in my life so that I can allow God to, to, to grow me into like, into Jesus? That is what they're concerned about. And the fact that they do that allows them to distinguish good from evil because they know this. They have wisdom. Wisdom comes from practice. This is where it's at. And spiritual adults understand that there's no, there's no stopping this. Look at what uh, Paul writes to, first, to, to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4.1. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God, as we have taught you. Now listen to this. You live this way already. So you can just coast. Did he say that? He didn't say that. You live this way already, so stop. Take a break. He didn't say that. He said, and we encourage you to do so even more. Keep going. Don't stop. And spiritual adults... Okay, when we're, spiritual adulthood easily translates into the next stage. But before we go to the next stage, I just want to encourage all of us here. If you find yourself in the spiritual infancy stage or the spiritual childhood stage, and you, you might get discouraged. Don't. Don't. What we need to do in these two stages is to open our minds and hearts to God and allow Him to do His work in us. When we put our hands up in the air and we rebel because we find ourselves in these two spots, that is when we, we, you know, we, uh, what do you call it? We quench the Holy Spirit. We can't do that. We need to be patient. And learn, you know, slowly. It doesn't happen overnight, the spiritual growth thing. We need to do this slowly. And we need to do this with the help of mature people. We're going to talk about that even more later. Okay? We need to be patient when we go up in our spiritual growth. This reminded me of uh, Amir's story to me. Do you guys know Amir? I don't, I don't know if Amir and Kristen are here. But Amir is a carpenter. I remember when Amir told me about his experience in his first year of apprenticeship. He was so gung-ho about carpentry. 
right? He wanted to, he wanted to do the cutting, the measuring, the cutting, the installing, and the finishing right away, like in the first, in the, in, in his first few weeks. And he kept bugging his mentor to, you know, to let him do it. But you know what his mentor told him? He said, stop. You need to be patient. You need to learn the basics. And you know what the mentor has been doing, has been allowing Amir to do? And the only thing that he, that he wanted Amir to do? Amir was, Amir was only able to do the sweeping. And the mentor said, the reason why I need you to sweep is because I need to make sure that you know how to sweep well. And he gave him the reason why. He said, even if you know how to finish really well, install really well, when your clients come and see the house and your work, you might have it installed really well, finished really well, but when you, the place is dirty, they will not appreciate your work. They will only see that you did a bad job because the place is dirty. Pay attention to the basics so that we will grow thereby. That's what we are doing in our congregation. This year, we're focusing on the fundamentals. Next year, we're going to focus on growing, building up on those fundamentals. Okay? Pay attention to the basics. Very important. Now, finally, it's not complete. We think that serving God is the be-all and end-all, and that's it, you're done. Spiritual parenting is where God wants us to be. Do you guys remember the call of Jesus to his disciples? The same call that we answered to? Do you guys remember? How are we disciples of Jesus? Because he called us to it. This is his call. Follow me. In other words, be my disciple. Follow me. And I have a work that I will do in you. I will make you fishers of people. We cannot forget this. A lot of times when we think about Christianity, we think about, we think like children and infants. Ah, <gasps> oh, I just want to go to heaven. That's good. But remember, we answered a call. God has given us work to do. God is doing a work in us. And he needs us to get people for him. What was Jesus' task when he went to earth? What was his mission statement? To seek and to save the lost. If you are going to be like Jesus, if we are going to be like Jesus, conformed to his image, we, at the very end, are going to have the same mind as him. We are going to look at people differently. We are going to look at them with love. Because we want them to have what we have. Because we understand that without Jesus, they have no hope. They could have the best house, the best jobs, beautiful kids, the best neighborhood, the best education. Without Jesus, they have no hope for eternity. None. Zero. And we want to tell them about this. We want to share that with them. Matthew 4.19 And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Look at that admonition. 
That's spiritual parenting right there. And spiritual parents, they have this tender love for other people. They don't look at them and go, oh, you're a spiritual infant. I have no time for you. What? You don't know why you need to go to church? I have no time for you. Spiritual parents don't do that. Spiritual parents don't look down on people who don't know why bad things happen to, to, to good people. They are there to support them and help them through that. Spiritual parents look at people and they look at the things that are going on in their lives that are not very good. The things that they have done. The things that bother them. Spiritual parents help them through that. I love this verse from 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 to 8. And this is Paul telling the church what they have been doing for them. But we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. You know, none of us are perfect. None of our children are perfect. But we don't look down on our, on our kids for their imperfections. Look at a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Do you guys understand that, that visual? That, that illustration that the Apostle Paul uses here? When we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ, what do we see? Do we see annoying people? If we do, I, I, I say, I'm saying this with the most love that I can muster from my heart. We are but thinking like spiritual infants and spiritual children. We are not thinking like parents. Affectionately, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God. We're not just concerned about, you know, about, about the right things and about the truth, but also our lives. We are also concerned and eager to share with you the example of how the truth, how about how the gospel is alive in our decisions, in the way that we do things, in the way that we use the resources that God has entrusted to us, in the way that we live. And the reason is because you had become dear to us. Brothers and sisters, the message today is simple. God has always intended for us to grow, to become like Jesus. Jesus is concerned about people's souls. Jesus is concerned about people's salvation. And so we work up to that parenthood phase from infancy, childhood, adulthood, and parenthood. As an infant, we need to fill our heads with knowledge. That's all we can handle. The pure milk of the word. But as a spiritual child, we need to fill our hearts. We need to make sure that that knowledge is tempered with love so that we can use it properly. And as adults, we need to work up, we need to put those two, two things together before our head, our heart, so that it will translate to our hands, so that we can work with the things that we know and who we are in Christ. And when that happens, head, heart, and hands working so that we can lead others to Jesus. God's vision is 
mature Christians, mature disciples, making other disciples. This is it. One last thing. There's one more thing in there, but just one minute. One thing that is, that I didn't talk about, that's very important. It's part of, it's one stage of spiritual growth that I didn't mention. And it's before spiritual infancy. Before we become spiritual infants, you know what we are first? We are spiritually dead. Without Jesus, we are spiritually dead. And without Jesus, our attitude is all of self and none of thee. It's all about me, not you. This morning, as we stand up, I want us to sing out loud and I encourage you to change that attitude if you don't have Jesus yet in your heart. None of self and all of thee. Let's stand and sing the song of of, of invitation today.